It's one decision at a time. That's all it is. It's one decision at a time. Keep that in mind. It is serious. It's worth taking very seriously, but it is not the only thing. It's just one decision at a time. Welcome to Tractionville, the podcast for companies running on EOS. I'm your host, Chris White, and today we have a special guest host. Mackenzie Decker. Mackenzie is in the house, baby. All right. Benj is on vacation this week. Mackenzie's sitting in. And, um, you know, we are, you know, you probably, you guys hear me say this all the time. I'm really excited about today's guest. But I really am excited about today's guest. And I genuinely am every single time we do these things because they're so much fun. But today is going to be really unique, you guys. This episode, you know, I come from a family of business people of entrepreneurs, multi-generational. And so our guest today is Sarah B. Stern. And Sarah is a family business expert. She's the former director of the Family Business Center of the University of St. Thomas. She is the author of Start Here, a guide for family business succession. And she currently owns two companies the Family Business Minnesota, and the Sage Pages. Sarah B. Stern, got to say it like a sentence, welcome to Tractionville. Thanks for having me here. I, uh, <laughs> I hope not to be too stern here on this podcast. Oh, no, we want you to be. That, oh, that's okay. We're all about that. Yeah, give it to her. Stern, radical candor, you bring it, just bring it. Um Sarah, I'm so glad to have you with us today. And I'm really, I really am excited for this conversation because you are a well-known, recognized subject matter expert in family business. It's really been your passion probably since you were young, having also grown up in family business, like Mackenzie and I. And I thought maybe, you know, there's a lot of places we can start here, right? But I thought if you could just kind of share a little bit of your journey, like why are you so passionate about family business? Mm. Well, thank you to the two of you for having me. And I feel so lucky to be on this episode with Mackenzie. So thanks for having me here. Yeah, I grew up in um, a small town in Wisconsin in the 80s, where pretty much if you had a job, you were either working for the school or the hospital or a family business in town. You know, we didn't have... Kmart. We didn't, I, maybe we had McDonald's, right? Um, I actually, the first family business I worked for, um, I was working with the, I think it was the third or fourth, fourth generation kids and the generation older than them, they were fighting. And these kids and their cousins were having to move into different houses that the family owned. And it was, it didn't look very fun from the outside. And, um, um, and I was seeing how their relationship and their business worked. And then my dad, my uncle, right. So there's all this stuff in my background, but, um, I grew up, um, and realized that what I want to be about my why in life is I want to have the biggest positive impact I can, um, now and for generations. And, um, I'm trying to do that by trying to show up and be a good mom and aunt and all that. Um, professionally though, the way to do that is with family businesses. A lot of people are shocked. Um, when they hear this statistic, two thirds of the privately held businesses in the U.S. are, are family businesses. And um, some people say 80, 85, 90 when you look around the world. 
right? Even a higher number there. Um, research says, statistics say um, family businesses hire more people, um, hold on to people. You know, during hard times, they are less likely to lay people off or they, you know, they do what they can um, to hold on to them. They give very generously to their communities, right? The list goes on and on and on. Yeah. So if I want to make a big difference, it's going to be working with family businesses and their leadership teams. And of course, that comes together beautifully with the work I get to do every day. Yeah, you know, I was in um, I was in session yesterday and, you know, we were talking about like nobody's really coming to save the entrepreneur. Right. Like when mm -hmm. you think about everything that's going on economically right in, in the worldwide but here here with with our target market entrepreneurs in the u.s right and we've already lost over a hundred thousand of them that'll never come back which is terrible but microsoft tesla apple they're not going to come and save us it's the small business owners to your point that create two-thirds of the jobs yeah they are the ones creating jobs. They're the lifeblood of our communities, even little 3,200, you know, population lost in Wisconsin, right? Yeah. Those shoe stores and, and, and all of that, they're the lifeblood of our communities. And that's why you and I do what we do. It's absolutely true, right? This is, these are um, the people you know, the people you love, the people you sit next to in church or at a soccer game. Um, they're the ones who sponsor the soccer team, right? They're, they right. really give to their communities, to their local communities. Um, and that's so, I mean, the, <laughs> the front page of my website has a picture that my sister took and it's of a uh, uh, water. Um, it's actually rain dropping into it. But you know, when you drop a stone into water, the ripple effect is yeah. goes for a long time. And I really feel like the work I get to do well. And yesterday, um, I think you were said you were with a family business, maybe not, but um, uh, the ripple effect when we help family businesses get so clear about where they're going and, and then get there. And when we help them be healthy instead of wrapped up in personal hurts and injuries, um, the ripple effect is so huge. You don't need anyone's permission to change the world. At Roundtable Companies, we'll work together to discover your most compelling story for a book, film, or brand. Come to our table and tell your tale. We'll listen, and together we'll discover the story that needs to be told to create your greatest impact. Their clients say it all, Dr. Danny McVetty, founder and CEO of Lap of Love said, RTC has made my lifelong dream of writing a book easier and more imaginative than I would have thought possible. I had no idea where or how to start, but with RTC, all I had to do was talk. They take my ideas, organize them, put color to my stories, and make them into a compilation that I'm incredibly proud of. This process has quite literally been a dream come true. Start telling your story today. Visit roundtablecompanies.com for more information. Sarah, one thing you said that I'm like, maybe this is a good um, tag on to what you're saying now. You mentioned that like generational perspective. So for you, your why is so much greater than even your own career. How do you, in order to get people out of that place where they're you know, wrapped up in the personal and wrapped up in the, you know, the infighting and all of that, that you might see in a family business. How do you sort of convey that generational perspective, that like legacy perspective? Is that, mm -hmm. 
is that um, somewhere you really start or how do you do that? Yeah, I, um, there's this, um, thank you for asking that. There's this super simple tool uh, that Harvard created um, called the three circle model of family business. It's a Venn diagram. So three circles that are overlapping each other, all three overlap in the middle. This is the world of a family business. So if you look on the, the bottom left circle, that's the family, right? They're family members. They do family things. Um, they have family assets. Um, then the second bottom circle is the business. They have a business. They run the business. They work in the business. And then that top circle, that third circle is ownership. So they own the business, right? And um, for a lot of family businesses, when they get started, they don't even necessarily start with a family business in mind. It's an entrepreneur, a scrappy entrepreneur, right? Maybe coming out of a hard time got laid off by another job, they start a business, right? Usually those three circles are on top of each other. They might be the leader of the family, they're leading the business and they're the owner, right? It's all one circle. But to help family businesses stop taking things personally and be able to make stronger and better decisions, I help them to separate those three circles out. Mm -hmm. um, a great example um, in EOS around this is a lot of families will say, um, you know, hey, you're a member of the family, you've got a spot in the family, period right? And that's good, healthy rules of engagement in a family. Unfortunately, they'll take those rules of engagement and put them on the business too. And they'll say, you're in the business, you're in the family, you have a job in the family. What is so much more healthy is to say, we need to have healthy rules of engagement for the business. You know, if you run on EOS, it's right people, right seat. If you run on a different system, it's whatever that agreement is about how we run a great business. That's one of the biggest ways to do it. The other thing we say then too is um, some people will say, well, if you work in the business, you have to be an owner. Or if you're a member of the family, you have to be an owner. And that's not true. Or they'll say, if you're an owner, you must have a job in the business. Not necessarily. You can be an owner. I know an owner right now, he's moving out of the business. He's going to keep owning it for a while. He is not going to come to work any day, anymore. Um, he's still an owner. He's still a member of the family, but he's taking himself out of the day-to-day -day of the business. And before that, he was a visionary who kind of came in one, one day a week and showed yeah. up quarterlies, right? So he's been moving himself out of that. And to, to me, letting people see that picture and then divide up um, decision-making. Like we're not making a family decision here, folks. We're making a decision in the business and let's follow the rules of engagement of our business. Yeah. I, I, I have to imagine you have seen so many shows. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, right? I yeah. mean, look, we all come from family business. We, <laughs> we know what it's like. And I know what it was. I got seven older brothers. Oh my lord! Yeah, and and my dad was old school. Like, you do it this way or take the highway, right? There was no negotiation. <laughs> and oh so, my goodness! With with your with your focus on this particular segment, again, I just have to imagine you have seen a ton, and 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 I'm just wondering. On the cultural side, get, get a little away from the systemization, yeah. right? Um, and I love that Venn diagram, by the way, that does make it super simple. But I want to go, I want to take us over to the culture piece because, you know, I, again, I look back at my experiences growing up, working in my parents' two businesses and just how my dad ran things. 
<laughs> and he told you what to do and you either did it or you didn't mm -hmm. and if you didn't you walked home um uh, i believe that's uh, probably literally true that sounds like a honest. rule of engagement chris it sounds yeah. like <laughs> open and honest i walked home one time <laughs> i got so pissed but but yeah the cultural piece you know talk to us about that because look you're helping um family members you know going through this process but but talk to us about the cultural side because i know that that can't be easy well you know when you say i've probably seen a lot of shit shows um i i often think on major holidays i think about the family businesses i know they are the bravest people on the planet they were at work together yesterday and now they're sitting together on a major holiday right i mean let's just have it a moment for them yeah. Yeah, that's right. No, that's right. Amen. A moment of silence. A moment of silence for that bravery. And of course, the upside is so high when the culture is good and when the culture is positive. So that three circle um, Venn diagram, right, is a really big one. Like I, I, I want families to have a culture of their family. Okay. Um, I want them to have a culture of their business and I want them to have a culture of their ownership group. And of course, because it's a lot of the same people, it's going to be similar. But here's one of the things that I think is so off the charts powerful for family businesses is they get to lean on the culture and the history that was built by a previous generation or generations and then build from there. Um, so if we let's do a zoom in on the ownership circle of the three circle model, um, when I'm working with owners, <clears throat> I talk about this idea that there are a set of core values and the core values for owners are about how have we always made decisions? There's a set of core values that have always been there. Let's just identify them and then use that as a, a strength as we make decisions as owners in the future. And what I think that helps create, I mean, I, that's getting a little to the system there, but what that allows is for a culture that's um, based in history um, and growing into the future. Instead of, um, here's how it's always been, this is how it's always going to be, that's the end of it, right? You know, for any family business that was selling whale oil lamps, if they stuck with that, they are way out of business these days, right? So, um, but any family business who started there and had a culture of, um, we're going to serve the needs of the community, they could be going on and on and on and on for generations, but built on maybe a culture or a belief around let's bring light to the world. That to me is so powerful. Um, it's almost like, um, you know, it's about being within any organization that has a history. You have this guide inside of your culture and it does go to the rules of engagement, right? How will we engage with each other? Um, is it going to be that we're focused on um, why you're bad or you're good? Or is it going to be focused on what is it we're trying to build? What's our legacy? Mm. And I define, I mean, there's all these definitions of legacy. This is my definition of legacy. It's um, why are we still living in this complicated three-circle world? Because most people would argue it'd be easier to sell the business and just be a family. Divide up the pile of money. Right. And call it a day, right? That would be easier. But so why do we stay in this complicated three-circle world? Um, I had a family business I um, know, and their why was they wanted to create multi-generational wealth. And they had for a reason, and I'm not going to get the order right, but the reason was something like, we're creating multi-generational wealth so our family can serve. I think it was the church, um, their hospitals, their schools, and number four was themselves. Mm -hmm. That was their why. 
Why do we hold this asset? They thought this asset could help them do that. And then what is their what? What are they trying to create? Um, and I should say that was their what? an opportunity to give to those four things. Yeah. So why multi-generational wealth? What to be able to give generously to these areas in their community? Um, that helps, I think, build this culture of a shared um, project, right? So if it's one owner in one generation and three in the next and nine in the next and 47 in the next, we have this shared project that we're fighting for and that builds this culture mm. in my experience. Mm. That's really so interesting. Sarah, as far as I keep thinking as you're talking, I know in I know in EOS and in other systems, there's usually the the visionary is sort of the carrier of the culture. Is that I'm wondering in a family business how that works? Because I would imagine, and you know, not speaking from any experience or anything, but like <laughs> when you have, when you have, let's say you have an older generation that's owned the business that is really, really, um, really, really passionate about the way things were done. How do you make, but they might be the most influential person in the room. How do you make that person the cultural champion for that future that they're trying to build? Is, is it them or is it a collective or what does that look like? I, um, <clears throat> What I like to say is there is a person who holds the culture in all three of those circles. Mm -hmm. So um, in the business, yeah, it's usually that visionary. And there does need, I mean, if you're succession from one generation to the next, you have to figure out who's that next person to take mm -hmm. that role. What are their responsibilities? What are you looking for? In the example of the person I was just talking about, the one who, who's really only been working maybe a day, all he does is pretty much culture. All he has done for a couple of years is just very focused on um, outside relationships and the culture of the business. He is there to welcome people on their first day, every employee, right? That's some of the stuff he does. He's in his well, I don't know. He looks like in his fifties, but I bet he's in his seventies. So anyway, um, so that's been his role, that culture. They've figured out who is the new person for that. So that's in the business circle. There has to be a leader and a culture person on the family circle too. I think this is so great. I can't take credit for this, but I want to take credit for making this famous. So um, if we call the leader of the business, the CEO, Mm -hmm. We also call the business, you know, the chief executive officer. We also call the leader of the family, the CEO, but they're the chief emotional officer. Ooh. And they're the one, isn't that beautiful and clever? Yeah. yeah. Again, I wish I could take credit, but I'm going to take credit for making it famous. That person who's the leader of the family is also the CEO. They own the culture of the business. And what that almost always looks like, if you think about your own experiences, um, they're often the ones saying, we're going on vacation together not for work, just to be together. They're the owner of traditions. We're going to get together for traditions, where it's, whether it's you know holidays or birthdays or every Independence Day or whatever it is. And they're often the person who says, quit talking about the business. We're being a family right now, mm. right? Um, they're also often the one who will step in and break ties and say, cut it out. It's over. That's, that's how it is. We're moving on. So yeah. there needs to be the cultural owner there. And then actually on the ownership side too, who owns the culture of how we make decisions? as owners. Um, and that's often one that doesn't get a lot of attention. Um, you know, who's going to be the one who owns keeping that ownership group behaving like a bunch of owners um, and not a bunch of only business leaders and not a bunch of only family members. You know, I'm curious when, and, and, and I don't know if you've been in this situation or not, where you, you have a client and they're doing 
the handoff mm. to the next generation. And is what's the secret sauce to that? Because oh. I have seen, you know, I've seen things go really well. I've seen things get a little sideways and I've seen train wrecks, right? Yeah. And so kind of a two-part question, you know, what's your advice for our listeners out there that may be in that particular situation right now? And then how do they carry the cultural piece forward when it's different people? I, um, I would say this, even if I wasn't on a podcast talking about systems for businesses, <laughs> so, um, pick a system okay. and use it and use it purely pick a system you all believe in. And I mean that for the business circle, the ownership circle and the family circle, pick a system you all believe in that you can all commit to and then follow it purely. And this is why I say it. Um, when you pick it, when you commit to it and you follow it purely, you can blame the system and stop blaming each other. Mm. Oh, that's good. You can blame it on the system. We agreed to the system. The system says now is the time this happens. We all agreed to it. Yes, it feels uncomfortable. Yes, I am mad. Yes, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow, whatever it is. Yes, I'm scared. And we agreed to this and we're doing it, right? That is the way. Otherwise, it becomes personal. Right, uh, exactly. And, and the personal, it is personal. It's an asset and it's a legacy. It is personal. But when you pick a system and you agree to it, so much of the show um, becomes irrelevant. Um, well, right, it creates this level playing field for the family members because we agreed that we're going to follow this framework and it's the framework yes the framework is and, and it you know we agreed to climb this ladder we believe this ladder will get us there stay on the ladder um there are systems around the ownership there are systems around family there's systems around business obviously um we have systems chris you and i who we love and use um my book that you mentioned creates a system around ownership how do you do, you know, what is your agreed upon um, rules of engagement? What are your agreed upon method? Um, what's your agreed upon timing? And then, of course, you have to do all that hard work to get there. Um, there are systems. Actually, Patrick Lencioni has a really cool system around the family. Um, yeah. That book he wrote, um, the, the Three Questions for a Highly Frantic Family or something like that. I know that yeah. I didn't say that right, right? But that's a system I recommend to families on the family side. So, and there's lots of other ones, of course, but pick a sure. system and follow it. And then you can blame it on the system instead of on your sister. <laughs> I've never said that before. I love it. Blame the system, not your sister. Love that. Love that. Keeping it, keeping it. Okay. It sounds like, I mean, it just sounds like you, I know you've been doing this for years and years or, uh, for a long time. And I'm, I'm assuming you have like some amazing stories and I would just love to I love the way you're describing this, but I, I wonder if there's an example that you've seen mm. in your experience that you could maybe give us to sort of put color to this. Oh my gosh. Can we meet for the next three hours? Cause I have so uh, many. As yeah. long as they're entertaining, we'll keep recording. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it. Sarah B. Stern. Um, <laughs> here's one that I love. Um, there's a family business, the, um, the founder and his wife had nine kids. Um, 
based on a, a Bible story, they believed all nine kids should work in the business and pay, be paid the exact same amount. Due to lots of different things, some of those nine kids went and worked um, at other places, uh, but they were still making the same amount and they were running this really entrepreneurial growing business basically by committee, like they were all the shared boss and they were doing it somehow, but wow, it was intense and it took a lot of time. Um, They started running on EOS and they identified like who really is our visionary who really is our integrator, who owns sales, who owns marketing, right? They got really clear about that. And that business has taken off. I mean, taken off like crazy since then. Um, They have, I've lost track of the number of the next generation. I think the last I heard it was about 72 people. Oh my gosh. And they've been able to, I mean, there's no way they could have run that business by committee essentially in the next year. There's, it's just would not have been possible. How and, in the world? Sarah, I got to jump in because I mean, I'm just putting myself in the room with you right now, dealing with that, right? When you go from everybody has a, a voice in this committee to now transitioning to this hierarchical structure right how did you how i i I don't know how many people were involved in this but that's that's, even if there's just two there's a lot of ego there right when you when you are by committee how outside of the u.s framework they still had to deal with their own personal like hey i'm giving up something or i gotta let go right and, and that's not easy especially if they were sort of running this committee rather well and now they got that there's a huge mental shift there. How did you get them to make that shift? Cause there's only one visionary and one integrator. So I'm going to pause. This is actually a family business. I know, I know them so well, they didn't hire me as their implementer. <laughs> and now I'm like really aware this is going to make it sound. They'll know who they are if they hear this, but anyway, um, I'm just saying that, but so I did have some conversations with the oldest son the oldest son, who I think a lot of people assumed, as many do in a family business, they're going to be the visionary, they're going to be the leader. Um, There came a time when he really saw that um, the business was the thing to fight for, not the ego, not the identity. Nice. And I'm not saying it came easy, uh, but because they picked the system and they were there to fight for the business, he was able to say, I'm actually not the right person. I am the right person for this other role. Yeah. And I want it and I'm good at it. And it's true. He's very good at that role. Um, But it was because he reoriented himself to I'm fighting for this business. Sarah, our time has flown by, which I knew it was gonna. I'm gonna put you a little bit on the spot here. We have a lot of family business owner listeners in Tractionville. And what is your, if you can, what is your, like, what's your piece of advice that, that they can go take from this and ponder and think about? I, I actually am going to add one little thing to it. Cause I was okay, going to, cool. I was thinking, I want to know what your advice is for family business, but I think so much of what we've talked about is just, it's about having, I, I think of the word boundaries and having like a healthy, like you said, yeah. rules of engagement. I think that's true of every business, of every family, of every individual person. So I would imagine you've got advice that we can apply to, you know, corporate structures, uh, 
family, you know, small family business, even just, you know, like almost a solopreneur with their spouse just starting their thing. I think there's, I think there's just something there for everybody. Um, boy, no pressure, you guys. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, um, your very recent episode, um, where Benj read from that great book called Feck Perfunction, Mm -hmm. that is the best advice there is on the planet, in my opinion. Um, so since I can't give that advice that you've already given to your, (laughs) (laughs) that is so good. I mean, really that is, I have not stopped thinking about that since I listened to that episode and I've talked about it a lot. That is some solid advice. And that is for family business, right? It's out on a clarity break. You have created clarity break books for people. It was on a clarity break that that one brother said, I've got to fight for the business. I got to quit fighting for me. It was because he took that time. And I really mean that. I'm not trying to suck up to you guys. That is some really important stuff. Um, If you want something from my own um, brain here, it's not going to be as good, but I'll give you what I've got. Um, um, Take this stuff seriously. It's really serious. Um, But don't let it get out of proportion. Um, It's not the only thing. These decisions are not the only decisions. These people are not the only people. Um, think back to family businesses. They, a family business that's been around for five generations or the longest family business in the world has been around for 718 generations, I think. I might have that number wrong. It's one decision at a time. That's all it is. It's one decision at a time. Keep that in mind. It is serious. It's worth taking very seriously, but it is not the only thing. It's just one decision at a time. Good stuff. Good stuff. Sarah, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thanks uh, for having me. It's really an honor to be here. This was this was a lot of fun, a lot of good stuff. Tractionville, um, we're going to have all of the links in the show notes so that you can find Sarah B. Stern if you're looking for uh, an expert in family business. Well, here she is. So we'll make sure that uh, we make it easy for you to find her. And we'll see you all here next week on Tractionville Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs>